0: One of the last things on my list, I realize, is like scheduling laughter. And yet my husband, that's his number one go-to. This is Heart of the Story and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I'm a writer and a writing coach who helps women develop and publish their memoirs and essays. But most importantly, I'm a human who's always trying to figure out what my soul is saying. Each week, I'll share stories and tips of healing, hope, and following my heart so that you'll feel inspired to follow yours. Hi, friends. Today, I wanted to do something a little bit different. So it's been a while since we've caught up, and I want to just have a chat with you about what's been going on in my life and what's been on my mind as of late the same way that I catch up with my mom, my sister, my friends, I just want to have a little kind of one-on-one conversation with you today, but before we dive in and share some laughs, you'll see what I mean. I wanted to, um, talk about some really amazing successes that the writers in my community have had. It's quite amazing. So Kelly Anderson just had her tiny love story published in the New York times, I'm so amazed by her first. It came out a couple weeks ago on a Tuesday online. Then it came out in the Sunday print edition, which is a really big deal. I'll put the links in the show notes, but you'll want to check that out and check her out. Um, Tanya Coates had her piece published in river teeth. Helen Sittler had her piece published in the Santa Fe writers project. Sally Schwartz had her piece published in writing class radio, so she got to talk about it on air. Uh, Carol Newall in our group had her book come out. It's a nonfiction book and it's called Outside the Gate The True Story of a British Home Child in Canada all of these amazing, amazing successes. And the vast majority of the pieces that are coming out started in either writer workout or my publish the personal class. So it is so heartwarming to me to see these seeds of ideas that the writers have in my classes coming to fruition and becoming published pieces. It's really quite amazing. So if you are someone who's saying, you know what, I want to do that. I want to get my work published. Join us. August 25th is the beginning of my six week class published the personal it always sells out. And this time around, there are only three spots left and it's a month away. So you'll definitely want to snag your seeds. If you've been thinking about it and we meet on zoom for six weeks, we go over some essay um, prompts and ideas of what to write for specific magazines. You write your essays, we workshop them as a group. I give feedback as well, and then you submit them for publication. It's such a fun class. So you can learn more at nadinekennyjohnstonecom forward slash workshops. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. But let's dive into what's been going on in my mind, in my life. As of late, probably the last few months, I have been going to a million doctor's appointments. (laughs) Don't worry, everything's fine. But if you're like me, maybe for a good year and a half of the pandemic, you didn't really go to a doctor's office yourself if there weren't urgent matters. And so I hadn't really gone for any of the annual stuff that I go for. And then finally this spring, I decided to do all of it that I had neglected for a little bit of time. This also became kind of more urgent too because next year I turn the big 4-0 and I want to make sure everything is good. And so I feel like I have been poked and prodded and like there is no part of me that isn't you know, off limits anymore. (laughs) So I have gotten my eyes checked. I wear contacts and usually my eyes get worse each year and they have. So I got my eyes checked. I got my skin checked, went to two different dermatologists because the first one was basically trying to sell me Botox and, and fillers. And I was like, Um, I just, I came because I have a lot of freckles and I want to make sure like everything's okay. So I went to a different dermatologist, had the whole skin check. Then I got a physical, then I got blood work done. And then I got more blood work done to check my hormone levels and check thyroid because that's been an issue over the years. Make sure everything's going okay with that. Saw my holistic doctor. And checking out cortisol levels because I certainly have had adrenal fatigue throughout the years, meaning, basically, when you're stressed out for multiple years on end, it can take a toll on your system. So seeing where my levels are at, and then I got the female check, then I got a mammogram, and then I had to go back for more imaging. And everything is good. But it's just like the never ending cycle of all the things getting checked. And some of these moments in these doctor's offices felt like scenes out of This is 40, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, Anything with Leslie Mann is my favorite. But in particular, This is 40 is one of my favorite movies because it just shows you all the stuff that you have to maintain and tend to and care for, especially as you get older. And the scene of her getting the mammogram and things being really, really smushed. (laughs) It was quite accurate. (laughs) Um, And it, it was just all kind of comical in the sense of like, what is going on here? So lots of new experiences. And it really got me thinking because Yesterday, I was in yet another doctor's waiting room because I had to go back for more imaging for something. Again, everything's fine, but I was in a waiting room just like, wow. And my dear podcast producer, Michelle, was sending me really supportive texts and cheering me up because I was in there for almost two hours in the waiting room. Fun times. And then I decided to pass the time by listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. And the episode for this past week for Tuesday was about most humiliating stories. And these all had to do, most of them with bodily issues, bodily functions. And it really, really made me feel less alone. And I'm sitting there going, okay, so first off on my podcast, I talk all about healing hope and following your heart. And we've done a ton of talking about the head and the heart. But I haven't talked that much about the body and haven't talked really about, you know, like getting your health checkups. But then I also haven't talked about one other thing, which is laughter as a healing medicine. And so I'm sitting in the doctor's office listening to We Can Do Hard Things, listening to their episode of most humiliating, most embarrassing moments. And for the first time in decades, I laughed so hard in public that I almost peed my pants. I was crying laughing. I was trying to stifle it because I'm in a waiting room listening with my headphones on, trying to just hold back my laughter. And I could not. I was in such a fit of giggles that I needed to walk out. I needed to leave the waiting room. And I I was laughing at myself laughing and then it was just a whole spiral and I just I couldn't even get a grip. And I was so happy to be laughing that it really really got me thinking about laughter as medicine and thinking about why I prioritize so much else in my healing journey, my day-to-day healing routines of getting a good night's sleep, waking up in the early morning hours and stretching my body, moving outside, seeing nature, meditating, journaling, really trying to be mindful throughout the day, be around my loved ones, send notes to the people who matter to me. Like I really try so hard to be mindful and well all day long. And yet, one of the last things on my list, I realize, is like scheduling laughter. And I know that sounds weird, like scheduling laughter, but it's true. I don't really prioritize laughter. And yet, my husband, that's his number one go-to. At night, he watches something funny Every single night. And when things are really hard in our lives, that's his number one go to is watching a funny movie, watching stand up comedy, anything that will get him laughing. And I thought, Oh, wait a minute, my sister, she watches ridiculousness almost every single night getting a good laugh. And I thought, my goodness, I haven't really prioritize laughter in a really, really long time. And then my next thought was, okay, well, what's on my laughter list? What are my go-tos? And maybe it might get you thinking about this. If you were to create like a laughter prescription, the things that make you laugh all the time, or are guaranteed to give you a laugh, if you're in a hard place, what would be on that list? So for me, hands down, the movie This Is 40, also the movie Bridesmaids, anything with Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy is definitely up my alley. And I think those two movies really get me because they're female, they're comics, they talk about real life, just how real life goes, and the sort of stuff that we have to deal with on a daily basis that just is ridiculous. And then I thought about the books, the books that really, really make me laugh. Definitely anything with David Sedaris. The first time that I had a laughing fit in public over two decades ago was when reading David Sedaris. I was at a Starbucks and I was reading Holidays on Ice. And It had me laughing so hard. I spit out my mocha at at Starbucks. I was sitting at a table. I spit it out. And I was weeping with laughter. In that story, he talks about being uh, a Christmas elf at Macy's for the holidays And just everything that goes along with the job and how seriously Macy's took the job and all the training he had to go through and, and the angry customers. And it is just so funny. I read it every year. So David Sedaris for sure. As of late, I've been reading a lot of Nora Ephron. She uh, wrote a ton of books, but she also wrote lots of movies, including When Harry Met Sally. And she just has this dry sense of humor that's spot on with the crap that we go through in daily life. And it's not like laugh out loud funny, but it's that nod along, like yep, know what you're talking about, funny. And she just says the things that you're thinking but you don't say out loud like one of our popular books is called I Feel Bad About My Neck and the people who make me laugh always my mom and my sister always always when the three of us are together is laughter all the time my mom one of her biggest things is that so she has reading glasses and this is like a I don't know. She's had them for maybe the last 10 years or so, but she's always looking for them. They're always on her head. She always can't find them. And so she's sending text messages blindly and (laughs) without fail, we get like some kind of random text message every week or so that has some kind of funny thing in it. So last week there were lots of tornadoes in Illinois good times and my sister lives about two miles away from my mom and so late at night they get this tornado warning and my mom hears it you know or gets it on her phone and she wants to make sure that my sister has gotten the alert and so she's messaging my sister asking her if she has gotten the tomato warning and this is just like one of any number of texts that um, she'll send and my sister the way that she's funny is in her she just doesn't give a crap kind of way so this is a prime example she got married a few weeks ago and my mom is like total type a my sister's opposite end of the spectrum and I'm more in the middle probably much more towards the type a but not as type a as my mom And so the three of us are in my sister's hotel room the night before the wedding. And we're saying, okay, how can we help? And Dana's just leaning back like in the chair, totally nonchalant. I think, I think we're pretty good. My mom takes a look at this box of stuff that's in the hotel room. And and she's like, Oh, what is this? My sister's like, Oh, those are the table numbers. We have to put them together. They were like physical table numbers. They're plastic. You have to like peel off this film and then stick them in the base. And my mom's like, so when are we going to do this? And Dana's like, know. (laughs) My mom's like, so you're getting married tomorrow. We need to do this like now. So we're doing it. And we're trying not to break this stuff. And my mom and I are like, you know, just getting all like frenetic and frantic. Dana's just, you know, chill the entire time. then it comes to the place card holders, you know, the ones that I don't even know what they're called, but it says your name and what table you're at and like what food dish it has a symbol for what food dish you ordered. And so typically when people come into the wedding venue, they look at the table to find their place card and then take it. So they know what table to go to. So there's the greeting table and they take their card and they see what table they're at and then they can go to that table and sit down. So my sister has a stack of 180 of these for all the people who are invited that she had gotten from the printer. They're in the rubber band holder. They are not alphabetized. They are not folded. And my mom finds those in the box. And she was like, so Dana, what about these? And Dana's like, yeah, you know, tomorrow morning, I was just going to throw them on the greeting table. And my mom's like, but they're not alphabetized. And they're like, what? And Dana's like, oh, people will find them. It doesn't matter. We can just put them on the table in any order. (laughs) My mom's face just like drops. And she's like, Dana, you're going to have a herd of people looking at 180 placeholder cards, like all crowded around the table. You need to alphabetize them. (laughs) And so the more frenetic and frantic that my mom is getting, the more relaxed my sister is becoming. And then I'm starting to get nervous now, too. So I'm helping my mom alphabetize them. All the while, my sister's just like shaking her head at the two of us, type A's. And she's like, oh, you guys are too much. So... And this is the dynamic between us. And we love being active together too. And so we always go for for workouts together, or you know, go for walks or jogs or whatever. And um, so my husband calls us the spandex crew because we're often wearing spandex together at the same time. So if I need a good laugh, I will get a hold of my mom and sister and off we go, right? So what about you? What are the movies? What are the books? Who are the people that make you laugh? Maybe create a list, a little reminder, tape it up near your office or somewhere, have it on a note section on your phone so that you remember when you're in need of a good laugh, where to find it. And I would actually love to know what your favorite funny movies and and books are. So you'll have to message me on Instagram or, you know, reply to the post about this episode and tell me in the comments what your favorite ones are, because I want to add more to my list. And so this all comes back to we can do hard things, right? So I'm in the waiting room, listening to their most humiliating moments. And the one that just got me laughing out loud was this one. So Abby Wambach, soccer star, retired soccer star, is Glennon Doyle's partner, her wife, and she was telling this story. Abby was in high school. She was getting off the bus and walking home, and she had to poop, and she could not make it all the way home from the bus stop to her house. She just couldn't make it in time. So she pooped her pants while walking down the street. And that's not the funny part of the story. She gets into the house and she has to clean herself up and she does, but then there's a question of what to do about the dirty underwear. So she decides to throw them out, but rather than throwing them like in a dumpster or in an outdoor garbage, she decides to take them and throw them in her wastebasket in her bedroom this wastebasket is wicker. It's not airtight. There's not even a plastic bag in it. So she just throws them in the wicker wastebasket. The issue is that she at the time shared a room, a bedroom with her female cousin. And as soon as her cousin entered the room, the cousin caught a whiff of something awry and was like, what is that smell? She locates the wastebasket basket as the source of where it's coming from and sees the dirty underwear in there. She confronts Abby about it. And rather than fessing up, Abby was like, I I have no idea. I have no idea what happened or how those got in there. And the cousin's like, but they're your underwear. And Abby's like, crazy. It's a mystery don't know, like as if somebody else might have pooped in her underwear and then thrown them out in the wastebasket. And she held on to this lie, like to this day, Abby just admitted (laughs) on air that it was her, right? So I was crying. You have to listen to her tell it because it's so good. I was like crying, laughing about this story and it just, oh my gosh, my mind was flooded with a million Moments and memories and people on the show, like Glennon and, and Amanda, her sister. They were talking about all sorts of bodily stuff and things happening, and and then callers were calling in and talking about things that happened with their friends or out in public and mortifying stories. Or you know, it wasn't just humiliating and embarrassing, but just moments when you're just like at a loss, you know, like what is happening. And so you need to listen to this episode because it's like one of my favorite ones out of all of the 100 plus ones that they've given. But it made me start thinking about my own moments. And especially because I was in a doctor's office waiting room yesterday, as soon as I started laughing and started thinking about moments in doctor's offices, that just struck me because it was one of those moments not humiliating or embarrassing, but more of what just happened kind of a moment. So Gio was around five years old. This was four years ago. And he had to go for his annual physical exam. The issue was that we were about to leave to go on a family trip and we were about to get on an airplane. And Gio, as with any kid who's been in daycare and then preschooling kindergarten. Like he had been sick for the majority of a couple of years, right? Ever since he entered daycare, it was just a germ fest. It would be like no sooner did he get over one cold than he spread it to all of us. And then we would get over that cold finally. And then he would get strep and then he would get croup and then he would get the flu. And it's just like it, germ fest, right? Anytime kids are in the same space, touching the same stuff, it, it's just germ, germ, germ. So we had gotten used to for like years, the endless round of like colds and everything else. But as we were about to go to this annual exam, Gio was finally sniffle free And I wanted him to stay that way because we were about to go on this family trip on an airplane. I didn't want his ears to be in pain and congested. So I really didn't want him to have a cold. Gio had a million earaches, uh, ear infections when he was younger. And like the plane just, of course, with the air pressure makes it so much worse. And so my goal leading up to this trip was to keep the kid healthy. We had had the nightmare of him on a plane previously where he had really, really blocked ears and it was straight up torture for two and a half hours of the flight, screaming, yelling, crying, and then afterwards, like we did not want to relive that. All of this to say that as I drove him to the pediatrician's office, I had a a talk with him. And I was like, okay, listen, we're about to go to this exam. It's going to be great and easy and fine. And afterwards you'll get a lollipop like you always do. But just know that when we walk into this office, I don't want you to touch anything, nothing. Everything is covered in germs in there. Please don't touch anything. And of course, this was before we all started carrying hand sanitizer in our purses, right? So I was like, we're gonna walk in and I know you're gonna want to play with those toys, those community toys that they have in the waiting room of the pediatrician's office, the blocks and the books and the, but please don't. You can play with toys when we get back. And I know you'll want to go put your hands all over the fish tank. When you look at the fish, you can look at them, but don't touch anything. And I was like, everything is covered in germs. Please don't touch. Okay, mama. Okay. So we walk into the office and I'm like pushing the door open with my elbow. I'm like trying to keep him away from other kids. And we get up to the counter where you have to check in. And I'm like, okay, stay right by me. Stay right by my side. No problem, mama. Okay, mama. So I'm filling out the clipboard of paperwork. And I'm doing this for maybe 30 seconds. And I'm kind of distracted, but then suddenly I'm feeling like something's off because it's like eerily quiet. And I give the woman at the counter back my clipboard and I look down to see where Gio is and he's right next to me, but he is open mouth licking The entire edge of the counter, the counter where everyone and their mother checks in and puts their germy hands all over it. That's like face height to him. And so he just has his mouth wide open and he is just like gumming and licking the entire edge of the counter. Like it's like some like horizontal lollipop. I can't even believe my eyes. I'm looking at him and I'm like, what would possess this child to do this? And I say, no, no, buddy, no. And he kind of looks at me like, "Why, why not? Like completely flabbergasted. And I said, buddy, I told you not to touch anything. What are you doing? And he said, you told me not to touch anything, Mama. <laughs> As in, but you didn't say I couldn't lick it. <laughs> and I was like, God, this kid is so smart, but he's so literal. <laughs> and I was just like, Fair point, buddy, fair point. I did not say you couldn't gum everything. I am just calculating the millions of germs that are on his tongue. And I think this is the end of it. Like, we've reached the most hellish moment. But no, I grab the end of my shirt to like wipe his tongue off because I was like, oh my gosh, I need to wipe off whatever germs. I go to clean up his mouth, and there is red, sticky residue all over his mouth and on his tongue. And I was like, what is this? At first, I don't know if it's blood but it's like super sticky and tacky. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? The woman at the counter says, oh, don't worry. It's probably lollipop residue from some other kid. Meaning that some other kid had walked out of their doctor's meeting. They had been given the typical lollipop. They had sucked on it. And then some of that drool or dribble or spit that was mixed with lollipop juice had like ended up on the edge of the counter. And then my son had, had also licked that up the horror that was going through my brain. I cannot even describe to you. When we went into the actual doctor's office for the exam, I said to her, no joke. And this was again, years ago, I was like, how do we sanitize this kid's mouth? Is there spray that you can spray into his mouth to clean out all the germs? And she looked at me like I had 17 heads. I was just like, how do we douse his mouth with Lysol? I know we can't do that, but is there a safe equivalent? What can we do? (laughs) Right. So this is one of 85,000 stories that I have and we all have of just moments that go awry and you are left sitting with just your mouth agape in horror and wonder and what just happened. (laughs) So I hope that maybe that gave you a smile today and made you feel a bit less alone. If you find yourself today or any other day in a moment where you're going, what the heck? just happened? Or is this really happening? So today, my friends, your medicine is laughter. That's what I want you to go after to be after. Write a funny story, relive a funny memory, tell a friend a funny memory, reminisce with a friend or family member about something funny that you all did together. Listen to a funny podcast, watch a funny movie, read a funny book, Give yourself the gift of laughter today. So if your friend needs a laugh or a smile, share your funny story with them. Share this podcast with them. Share the we can do hard things with them. I think it'll bring a big smile to someone's day. All right. Thank you, Michelle Rado, for keeping me company and giving me text support while I was in the doctor's office the other day. You are the best. And thank you for producing this podcast. And as always, remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week.